Round 13's here. The World Cup has started. Hummer's not here, so it's just going to be Brownie and Richo today. Batman and Robin back together again for the AFL podcast round 13. Well, here we go for round 13, Matthew, and Hummer is off to Russia. So the World Cup has kicked off. Now, Hummer, you haven't, you've only known him for a couple of weeks. You've only been doing this for a couple of weeks, but he is your genuine top echelon bogan. Like, he's your real bogan with the real bogan tats, has his uh, floppy hat and his stubbies and his uh, thongs and the VB. He is your genuine Aussie bogan. I did get that impression, Nathan. I probably wouldn't have gone quite as hard as that. I've only known him for probably four weeks now, but... I've got genuine concerns, as we pointed out on last week's podcast. I'm worried that he'll come home from Russia because if he gets carried away over there, I'm not sure that some of the locals will take him too kindly. This is probably the best gig he'll ever have in his yeah. life, sitting here with me and you week after week, uh, hosting a host of uh, me and you as well. But they say the, the best way to work yourself out of a job is to leave that vacant mm. and allow the two professionals to do it. Well, he's not really, uh, he's not that sharp, is he? Um, <laughs> let's be honest. And he's not that polished either. <laughs> so the listeners might get a, a, an understanding of that in the next uh, two weeks while he's away. He mightn't come back, Hummer, I'm pretty certain about that. But uh, now it's good to be here, NATO. And gee, there's uh, a lot going on, isn't it? This time of year, this is when things start uh, sh- shaping up in the AFL. And gee, there's some coaches starting to feel the heat a little bit, I reckon. Some big beltings at this time of year, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a start of the year, there's maybe a belting in round one or two. Then it evens itself out and now there's some big beltings coming up. Gold Coast feeling that at the moment. Um, but uh, certainly Alan Richardson, who's yeah. coached both of us at a point in our careers, is really under the pump at the moment. Yeah, I like Richo and he was a very, very good uh, assistant coach. He was at Richmond uh, late in our careers and I really liked him. And I think it's a bit unfair. I, I heard Wayne Carey say the other day that uh, you know, one bad season, you shouldn't, you know, you should get at least one more year and I think he will. I think he'll uh, survive next year. But it reminds me of uh, Jeff Geishan, uh, my old coach at Richmond. The Geish. The Geish. I remember he took over from Robert Walls with five games to go in the 1997 season. And he, he implemented a really simple game plan. It was just a quick release handball and uh, just get the ball moving on very quickly. So we actually had a bit of success in those first few games under Geish. And the Richmond uh, members, they really started to like the Geish. And to the point where I was walking into our final game of the year in 2017, we're playing Carlton at Carlton. We had the chance to knock them out of the finals. We couldn't play finals. But it would have been Geish's third win out of four games. And the members wanted Geish signed up to be our permanent coach the following season. I walked in. The cheer squad was selling their merchandise outside the ground. And they were lining up for these badges, which had on the front of it, unleash the geese, right? <laughs> they wanted them. Every single person in the cheer squad was wearing them. And I thought, geez, they're happy with geese. And from that moment on, I thought the board will sign him up now. The members are behind behind him. Sure enough, they did. Every single supporter unleashed the geese. About 18 months later, I'm walking into the MCG. We're under the pump. We'd lost a few games in a row. And I noticed the same uh, cheer squad members uh, with their merchandise stand as I walked in. And the badges they were selling this particular day were release the geese. (laughs) So... It's a fickle game, and I feel for Alan Richardson at the moment. It is. I've been through a couple of sackings. Um, Plough, twice. He he walked out on the Bulldogs in 2000 and 
two at the end of the season. There's probably about five games to go. And Plough thought that he was going to coach, uh, walk out in the club and coach the last, I think it was the last two or three games from memory. Um, but I remember the, the fact that he, he wasn't happy with the, the meeting he had with David Smorgan and Campbell Rose, who'd come yeah. into the footy club. But, so he'd said, no, nah, well, I'm out. And I, literally did everybody know that he'd already signed a deal with Sydney, which didn't turn yeah. out to come to fruition because similar to uh, the Richmond members, Sydney members they wanted Paul Roos. Wanted Paul Roos, and they decided to make that good for Plough because Plough didn't coach them. It got a little bit of a uh, Did he a still payout. get paid? No, oh, he definitely got paid. <laughs> and he's, he's been on record saying that now. He got a little bit oh, of he's cash admitted it now. in the right back door, Terry Wallace. Uh, but this day, so he'd walked out in the Bulldogs, and I remember that he didn't have a time to let all the players know that he'd left, and he wanted to obviously talk to the players and let his version of events come yeah, out. Tell his side of the story. Tell his side of the story, because obviously the club had painted in another way, and whatever way it went down. But I still remember the phone call, and because he lived out at Kangaroo Ground, and he said to me, Brownie, it's, oh, he goes, I've never experienced anything like this. He goes, there's, I'm bunkering down in my house out at Kangaroo Ground. There's reporters at my front door. There's choppers overhead. He goes, I don't know where to go. I'm not going to be contactable for a couple of days, so uh, good luck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's choppers overhead. It was like Vietnam, he reckons. Did he put a little bit of mayonnaise on that <laughs> I reckon he did. Oh, man. He's a funny man, Plough. Hey, uh, do you reckon that they let Rui and Joey go one year too early, the Saints? 100% they did. 100% they did. I reckon St Kilda thought they were a lot further advanced than what they were and that uh, Rui and Joey, they didn't need them anymore because they had memory. They had Josh Bruce was playing well, Paddy McCartan. But you can't. You can't quantify what those guys do in terms of morale and spirit around the footy club and leadership. And Rui wanted to play on. I've right. spoken to Rui privately, as you know. I'm good mates with him. He he was he was very look not devastated because he knew the time had come and to to give other players a mm. go. But you see what's happened to him now. He was disappointed. He wanted to play on. He put his hand up to play on, and they said no. I guess they had to make the call eventually. It is a tough call when you've got champions of the game like Nick coming to that latter part of their career. But I can see that if they did play on, I could see the media now saying, oh, what about McCartan? What about the development of these younger guys? So it's a tough one for the club as well. I understand that uh, Rui's a champion of the game, but you do have to make the call eventually on some players. Yeah, you do. And the call came for you as well, but it came mm. for you with an injury. You ripped yeah. your hammy off the bone. Well, it was and that, easy. that was it, wasn't it? It was easy for me. Uh, it was the end of 2009. Dimmer had just taken over. I remember I had a meeting with Dimmer, and he actually said, you know, we'll, we'll give you the chance to recover from this injury and uh, and play on next year, 2010. But my hammy was cooked. I wouldn't have got back till midway through the next year. So it was a pretty easy decision for me. It was nice that Dimmer gave me that option, but I couldn't justify trying to play on with a hammy that was cooked. So well, I guess it was different for me. We're in New York at this point, and we were doing training because obviously you still thought you were going to play yeah, on. And yeah. I still thought that I had a little bit to offer that I'd have a, a groin surgery. Um, this is the end of 09. Yeah. This is the end of 09. So um, I, I knew that there was a little bit of interest there from St Kilda and Collingwood. So we decided, uh, me and you, together at about five in the morning that it was a good time to call Mick Malthouse being the Collingwood coach and to let him to ask him if uh, there was a spot at Collingwood for Probably me going into the next season. It wasn't a good option. It was 5am and let's be honest. <laughs> Daytime in Australia, that's how we came up with it or well, I came up with it. our reasoning was You that didn't stop me. 
No, well, I thought it was quite humorous at the time because <laughs> you'd only had about 15 vodka and uh, lemonades at that point. So I've rang Mick Malthouse. I've gone out into the hallway of where, where we were staying and uh, we talked him through it, just said, I feel like I've got a lot to offer. And he goes, Brownie, he goes, I love the way you play. He goes, you always beat Jimmy Clement when we when we play you and you always get... But he goes, we're going in a different direction. We've got a lot of youth coming through. And I said, okay, Mick, no problems. I come back into the room and you looked at me and you said, how'd it go? I said, no, not great. I'm retired. It probably wasn't a great time to call him, was it? Let's be honest. You, uh, I think you oversold yourself at 5am <laughs> in New York, Nathan. All right, let's get into round one. And the first game Thursday night is a pretty ordinary game, to be honest. Port Adelaide $1.10, Western Bulldogs $7. Meant to be a bucket load of rain in uh, Adelaide tonight and obviously tomorrow and a little, little bit of wind. Last time it bucketed down on a Friday night footy, Western Bulldogs play Adelaide. The score was really, really low. The total points here is 140 and I think under 140 will be the go again tonight. Yeah, you'd think so if it's a wet weather game. I just I just can't see the Dogs winning this one and the odds obviously reflect that. I guess the, the big story out of uh, this game is Jack Watts has been uh, dropped which is disappointing for him at his second club. But, look, you would think Port would win this game. They're big bodies in the midfield. They, they, they got over the top of Richmond last week. The likes of Ollie Wines, you'd think it would suit him. A wet night, big bodies in form. Uh, I think this is a pretty easy one, this one. I think Port Adelaide will win. I thought how Ken Hinckley coached last week was... Uh not often a coach can have a, an impact week to week, and most of it's done pre-season when you set your game plan up. But he's instructions to whenever they got the footy to move it quick. They realised Alex Rance could be exposed, so they were kicking blindly at times, and forwards love that. Forwards love it when you play on, you get it in quick. Every time they got a ball at half-back or centre wing, they played on. Didn't know what was ahead of them, but got the ball in forward. It put Richmond under a lot of pressure. Uh, Hinkley put that into place. The the players put it, I guess, out on the field and implemented that, and I thought it was a masterstroke. Yeah, he coached really well, and that, that period in the second quarter where they blew Richmond away, an eight-minute eight period where they basically uh, put the game away. It was all done in the centre. They got it into out of the centre, got it in, put the Richmond defenders under the pump, and, and that was on the back of Ryder and, and obviously Wines in the middle. So, yeah, Port looked pretty good last week. Easy one. They'll win this one. Yeah, when it rained last time in Adelaide, Friday night footy was about four weeks ago. The total was 89. So uh, Adelaide was 63. The Bulldogs were 26. Helps so, when Chad Wingard finds form too. Yeah, total points, 139. I'm going to have a crack at that... Friday night footy, cracking game. Sydney, West Coast. Sydney haven't been good at the SCG this year, and I don't think it now. It used to always play into their hands, but I don't think the way they play footy now, it's a little bit more open. It's not as tight in, and they're a better skilled side than what they used to be, Sydney. I don't think that small ground of the SCG suits them, and I, I can see West Coast. I like the odds here. I like $2.46 for West Coast. I like the line um, for West Coast in this one as well. The line in this game is 11.5, so I'm going to have a crack at West Coast here. Yeah, it's strange how it's working out for Sydney. They've won uh, their last 15 out of 16 at Etihad Stadium. That's like their new home ground. They haven't lost on the road this year and you're right, the SCG doesn't seem to suit them quite as much as it used to. Those small, pacey players they have in the forward line now, obviously Gary Rowan, Ronk's been really good, Papley's been really good, so they actually, the faster ball movement really suits that forward line. We know Buddy will enjoy that, so yeah, I, I think you're right on that, on the line, Brownie, that looks pretty juicy for me. West Coast had the week off, sometimes it can work against you, the week off, the bye, this is the first week we're going to see that, with yep. teams having the bye last week. Uh, seventh debutante of the year for the West Coast Eagles. To be on top of the it's ladder impressive. 
with one loss but having debuted seven players. They're in great nick, but coming off the bye does worry me. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow night whether it worries West Coast. Well, they're playing for the Callum Sinclair Cup, of course, and what a player <laughs> he has become, Callum Sinclair. Mate. He is six foot six. He has got the smallest head of any player I've ever seen to have a big body like that. You've got a grudge against him, and I know no, I, You no. and Das were standing there interviewing him last week, and I took a snapshot because we do Triple M footy, and we go with this every week that we do Sydney, how small his pill is, right. and next to your head. Well, mine's <laughs> he's, big. He's, his head was like a pea compared to your basketball pill, and Das on the other side has got that really long, elongated, straight-back neck type and a, that really pointy chin. Real, so Das's head looked a lot bigger than his as well. It's a chiselled sort of look Das has, isn't it? It but is. I know what you're going to go with here. We actually bumped into Callum over in Hong Kong we two did. years ago, and I bought it up. Uh, he bought it up, actually, last Saturday night on Channel 7. He said that he bumped into me and you at uh, the Happy Valley races, and we talked about this on air. And he actually said, Richo, you were all right. You said g'day to me. He said, but Nathan Brown gave me absolutely nothing. <laughs> you didn't even say g'day to him. I did. I just, <laughs> I couldn't say you hello gave to him. nothing, Brown. Because he stood at the bar and he had the reverse prone hold going. So if you don't know what the reverse prone hold is, it's both elbows on the bar, but you're facing back yeah. away from the bar towards the dance floor to uh, whatever's in front of you. And he did move. He was flexing. I, I, I couldn't go up to him and say hello. It was, too, it was too intimidating, the pose he had. He did look good, didn't he, big cow, <laughs> up against the bar. He's playing good footy, though. He was best on ground last week uh, at uh, Eddie Had Stadium against St Kilda, and the week before, he was really good as well. So he's playing good footy, big cow. He is playing. Did he really say that I didn't speak to him? He did. So, <laughs> so you had the volume down on Triple M watching us. Yeah. He said, I said, oh, Cal, I used to bump into you down uh, Chapel Street. And he said, well, I did. I saw you guys over in Hong Kong, remember? And he said, Richo, you were a good bloke. But he said, geez, Brownie gave me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably in one of those mute phases. You so were. sometimes when I drink and I'm very chatty for the first couple, yeah. but for some reason something happens to me after that and you I go up. really mute. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing against you, Cal. Uh, Carlton and Fremantle. This isn't uh, a great game as well, but... Big news for Carlton uh, with two big signings during the week. Uh, close to 800 to a million each for them. Paddy Cripps and also Charlie Curnow. That's, that's, that's massive for Carlton. Yeah, it is. It's good for their future. You need uh, your young stars on board and signing up and, and just showing the rest of that. It sends a real message to the rest of that young playing group that, hey, Cripsy and, and Charlie are on board. Clearly, they're their best two young players. And if they sign up long term, that's a really good sign for the footy club. But, gee, the Dockers were good last week. That was the big surprise for me, that win over the Crows. They were so ordinary against Collingwood the week before at the MCG. So many young players. I think they had nine players with under 20 games, Brownie. To go back home, I know they're better in Perth, but to beat the Adelaide Crows when challenged, it was a great result. And Adam Chera, how good is he? Yeah, he's going to be a great young player. And Brennan Cox, kick four. Uh, he was outstanding as well. Fremantle in this game are $1.60 favourites at Etihad Stadium. Carlton, two thirty-five. Look, it's a game where I reckon I'm going to stay out of because you don't know what Carlton are going to do and you don't know what Fremantle are going to do. Because two weeks ago you said they were putrid against Collingwood, who obviously their form's been frank. They're, they're flying at the moment, but they beat Adelaide, who had a lot of injuries in Perth. Can they travel and win? I'm not sure. I'm not comfortable to put my own money on two sides and I don't know where they're going. I would uh, stick with Carlton just because it's that Eddie had and, and Frio haven't travelled well this year. But you're right, it, it, could, it could go either way, this one. And speaking of that game could go either way, what about this one? Gold Coast, $2.25. St Kilda, $1.65. 
Um, in St Kilda's defence, they were nine goals down uh, 20 minutes into that first quarter. They were actually pretty even for the second half. They played better footy in the second half. They played better footy against West Coast in the second half last week as well. They should beat Gold Coast, but it's another game where I'm not... I'm not confident putting money on St Kilda. They lost the game against Sydney in 20 minutes. You, can, you can't come back from that and win a game of football. But if you look at their form the two weeks before that, they'd played uh, Richmond, who they were in front of near three-quarter time, and then they nearly rolled over the top of West Coast. Yeah. That form looked okay. Last week was obviously ordinary, but you cannot back the Gold Coast Suns when you have six shots at goal v uh, GWS who had about 35 so you couldn't go near the Suns poor old Stewie Duke you can see he's got a good plan and from what I'm being told by people uh, who are in the know up there he's going to have a massive broom and just clean everything out anybody he doesn't I'm not going to say that he, he doesn't like but anything anybody that he doesn't think is going in the right direction that he wants um, like I reckon what happened at Richmond everybody got moved out of the assistant coaches post uh, 18 months ago and everybody new came in. I reckon that's what he's going to do. Yeah, it's a tough position that he was in. He's taken over a club that was struggling and he, he didn't get to bring a lot of his own people with him. He's come from a great background, coaching at the Sydney Swans, who have one of the great cultures and setups in the AFL. And a pretty tough draw when you don't get to play at home mm. until round 10. So They look tired now, don't yeah, they? It's been stacked against Dewey Jew. Um, but this game, yeah, I think I think the Saints. The Saints for me. Now, we've travelled a lot together, and this is where I reminisce something about you, because uh, out of anybody in football, I probably travelled with you and probably Bob Murphy the most when I was at the Bulldogs. But me and you went to New York well, well, twice together. Both, and we've... People listening to this are probably starting to get sick of these stories about New York, aren't they? Well, this one happened in Los Angeles. All right, we're going to LA now. <laughs> Where well, are you going, Nathan? Well, I get worried when you start many, going many off Many, years like this. ago, we, um, we had to get it. Well, we, we had a hire car and we were going to Los Angeles, but we I don't know what we were doing. Uh, obviously, the highway system over there is. Well, we'd been. I, We'd been down in San Diego. We had been down in San Diego, so for a couple of we're days. Driving, San... We're driving up to LA from San Diego. And for some reason, you had lost direction and you'd, you'd taken the wrong route off uh, one of the highways there. Um, and at this point, I was sitting in the back and you just introduced me. Um, oh, you hadn't introduced me. We're on our way to meet a, a mate of yours who That's you were right. introducing me. This is 2009, a long time ago. Yeah. And I'm still mates with him now, actually, at a yeah. barbecue. It's actually uh, Natalie Bassingwaite's husband, Cameron McGlinchey. What you need to point out in this story is that generally I am good with directions. Mm-hmm. I'm normally the driver and the navigator. You are very, very good at directions. But this day, you had a nightmare. So... <laughs> You're in the front with Kane Pettifer, who probably not helping the situation as no. well. And we'd taken the exit off this freeway, and all of a sudden we'd ended up in this neighbourhood that I've only ever seen on TV. And it was it was your Compton area, and there was six foot ten big guys doing weights on the corner of the street, and they all looked like they were packing uh, guns or machetes or whatever. This was a nasty, nasty neighbourhood. It was the wrong exit to get off on. And you're starting to get a little bit frazzled in the front, and you're trying to get the uh, the, the navigation stuff working. You go, oh, no, I need to go down here. No, I need to go down here. And I made just a, a an observation, which you didn't take too well, and it was a very quiet observation that looks like Burke and Will's up the front, eh? <laughs> and you have lost it. You've turned around, you've gone, all you ever do is sit there and give shit to people and hang shit on people. How about you do something for once in your life? Well, you had a phone in your hand, Nathan. 
And we didn't have a navigation system on this car, but you had your phone and you had international roaming. You really cracked it, didn't you? All you had to do to help the situation was actually punch the address in. You knew the hotel we were staying. You could have punched it in on your phone. You were the only one that had the roaming that you'd paid for, the international roaming. And within you know 30 seconds, you could have had us back on track. But instead... You let me drive through this uh, area, which wasn't where we should be, young guys from Australia. Yeah, young white guys. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I stick by that abuse that I gave you. Yeah, you lost it. You, 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 were, you were nervous about me meeting Cameron as well, because you, you worry about when I meet people for the first time. Well, you just sort of, you can somehow have the wrong impression on people <laughs> until they get to know you. <laughs> you idiot. Ah, Hawthorne, it's Adelaide. A good trip, though. It was a great trip. It was a great trip. We've got plenty more stories throughout the year on, uh, on our trip. Hawthorne, Adelaide. Hawthorne have been the best back, the eighty into a dollar sixty-two at the MCG. Adelaide. Heap of injuries at the moment, $2.30. And the total points market in this one, because they're talking eight millimetres of rain in Melbourne on Saturday night, expected to be low scoring. 155, I think, under the total points here, under 155. You couldn't possibly back the Adelaide Crows coming off a loss to Fremantle over in Perth. And they just have lost all sort of continuity and synergy in that group and connection. Their connection last year with their ball movement was was first class, the best in the competition. But with injuries and a loss of form, they've just lost their way. And you can't just pick that up overnight. And if it's a wet night, you'd think uh, the Hawks... For Silk Burgoyne, don't forget. Let's just say yeah, how good that man is. Um, and the last time the Hawks played in the wet was against Melbourne in that second half, and they kicked, I think, 11 goals mm. to nothing. So MCG, low scoring. For me, I'm going to go the Hawks. I'm going to back the Hawks with uh, with a fair amount of money too. Yeah, I'd back the Hawks. I can't see the Crows finding form in this one. Uh, the Brownlow medal's wide open this year too. Mm. Uh, Dustin Martin wouldn't have voted for maybe four or five weeks. Dangerfield might have got votes last week, but it's as even as what it's, it's been. Is Gary Ablett, is p- are people starting to have a look at him in the last few weeks? Yeah, they definitely are. He's, uh, at the moment, um, I'm just about bringing the Brownlow market up um, because Gary Ablett's been well back. But I tell you, I like steel side bottom. Now, he's still good value steel side bottom. As I look down the list. Second in the AFL Coaches Association votes. It's 26 bucks steel side mm, bottom. I'm looking at some of, his, uh, some of his stats. He's had 38s, 37s. He's kicked goals as well this year. So Tom Mitchell, 325. You've got Dusty at six. Jackson McRae had that really good period at 750. Gaff, the other one for me, at 12 bucks. Yeah. West Coast have only lost one game so far this year. Gaff has had um, 30 possessions. I think it's six times mm. or more and big possessions. Jack Darling, I reckon, would have taken votes off him earlier on in the year. But Andrew Gaff, I do like. Trent Cotchin is another one, yeah, 16 bucks. I think he's good value at 16. Where have you got Clayton Oliver? Got votes last year and has continued his good form. He's at 28 and he's had big, big numbers again this year. Gary Ablett, $34. So, uh, look, Tom Mitchell, 325 the outright favourite at the moment. But he wouldn't have voted that well in the last three or four weeks. I reckon Ablett would have three best on grounds. He's definitely the last two weeks. And there was one game earlier in the year where I thought he would have got three. He he could come home with a wet sail, Gary, because Danger's not really voting this year. Big, big value in the uh, in the medal. I like Maxi Gorn, 14. Very rare that a Ruckman would win it. I'd stay away from uh, key position players in Ruckman. Yep. It's a midfielder's award. So value, Trelaw, 23. Steel Sidebottom, 26. Gary Ablett, 34. Clayton Oliver, 28. Richmond have won nine games, and I reckon Trent Cotchin would have been their best player in four or five of those. So he's, he's, Any votes? Yeah, any votes? Any votes. He's won it before. We know that. 
He's won it before. And that brings us to the last game of the round, which is the massive blockbuster, Geelong and Richmond. You're not going to get much better than this. Richmond, $1.50. Geelong, two sixty. Not sure if Dusty plays. Obviously, uh, the sides do will you, come out. Is there do, anything you can let us in on? Do you think that Richmond are a little bit too short there at $1.50? I think... Or is it just the MCG factor? MCG 14, factor. 15 in a row. 15 in a row. They played unbelievably. Hmm. And what I've noticed... Um, and obviously you won't be able to comment on this because you work there, but when they play away, their 16 to 22 players let them down uh, in those three losses they've had. When they play at the MCG, those 16 to 22 players are the ones that are playing with exuberance and they're really turning the game for them. It's a big difference. From uh, I, I saw them make a lot of mistakes in the Adelaide game, in the West Coast game, uh, but they don't make those mistakes, those... That, that, they're the ones on the cusp of the side, in and out. I don't see them make those mistakes at the MCG. and They're so good there. They don't defend the smaller grounds as well as they defend the MCG. And, and when they turn it over in their forward half, that little bit more space at the MCG helps players like Butler get involved in the game. Um, and that's what they rely on. They're a team that scores from f- uh, forward half turnovers. And when they create them at the G, there's just a bit more space to work into and get that momentum going. Your Kane Lamberts and these types. I think Rioli will be back. I said that last week yep. and I, I was wrong, but I think he really will play this week. Kick two in the VFL, played full game time. Martin will be back. I've got a feeling Townsend might come back in and play that role where he just hassles one of the Geelong defenders. One week's quick for a calf. On Dustin? Yeah. But I don't think it was a, a strain. I think it was just tightness. Okay. I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't play on Sunday. All right. Um, well, Richmond $1.50, Dustin Martin in. Um, it's going to be a good game. I think before that, Geelong had won 13 in a row mm. against them. Um, I think the last time we beat them was 2006, yeah. maybe, down in Geelong. That's well, right. Real hoodoo team for Richmond over a long period of time. But I think that qualifying final win, it's a different team now. They don't have that, I guess, that mindset of having been beaten over a long, long period of time. I think uh, they're confident at the MCG. But It's the loudest I've ever heard a crowd that game. Yeah. Because it was Richmond, it was 90, what was it, 95,000, I yeah. think, and at least 80 of them were Richmond. Not many Geelong people came down for the trip. Are the Cats fans flat this is their home game again? They would have to be flat because Richmond will probably get more fans there again. But uh, Richmond for me, and there's a lot of talk about Richmond they can't play away, but if they keep winning and they win enough games, they're going to play two games at the MCG into the grand final. If they stay where they are now, top two, exactly. They won't have to travel unless they lost in the first week of the finals. But I think this is going to be very, very close. I guess when you've won 15 in a row at a ground, you have to probably back Richmond. That is all the games done. So uh, I think... I am tipping, Matthew, yes. this round. I'm yeah, what, get... what are you doing with your punters club? Have well, the punters any... club has had a bad couple of weeks. I know. It was a really bad couple of weeks. And last week... Well, we you t- made a f- fundamental mistake last week. We... <laughs> <laughs> we backed we backed Richmond last week. I thought head to head against Port Adelaide, we'd, we'd win that, but right. we didn't. And we also backed the total points under because it was meant to be wet over in Adelaide and I thought it'd be low scoring. So the total points under at the start of the night was 147. Um, so, no, I backed it over. I backed it over. I so I thought it was going to be high. weather forecast too much. Mate. I thought it was going to be high scoring. So because of the, the rain was clearing uh, over 147, I thought, They'll score that, no right, problems. Right. 95 at half time. Mm. 95 at half time. So, that so you were live, feeling good at that point? Really good. That live line had moved out to 179, right. almost thinking maybe I'll back the unders now. And I thought, nah, high scoring, they might get to 200 here. They got to 130, 35 points in the second half. Can you believe that? Stiff. You are stiff. Very but, stiff. But you've got a lot of hard luck stories at the moment, Nathan. <laughs> Relying on the weather too much. We'll bounce back. We'll You'll bounce be right. back. Um, 
Now, we always finish off with a, uh, with a Richo story. Well, I might, uh, off the back of your Burke and Wilf story, we actually did find our way out of that uh, suburb. Lucky. I know. We did find our way out and we, we made it to a... shanked. Yeah, we made it to our hotel in uh, West Hollywood, Nathan, on this trip. And you're right, I was uh, introducing you to a good friend of mine, Cameron, who lived in Los we Angeles. Saw the, we saw the duck at the, at the lift when we got into the lift, didn't we? We did. We saw the duck there. Strange. He was checking into the hotel. <laughs> so anyway, we checked into the hotel. Uh, we had a shower. And uh, myself, you, and uh, Kane Pettifer, we jumped in a cab and we headed just around the corner in uh, West Hollywood to where my mate uh, Cameron was living at the time. He was over there working with his uh, his lovely bride. And I uh, introduced you guys and we had a couple of beers at uh, Cameron's house. And then another mate of mine that Nat was... was only in her early 30s at this she stage, was, wasn't she? Yes, oh. yeah. And uh, another mate of mine, Matthew Tritton, whose nickname is Bussy, he's a caddy on the PGA Tour. He joined us. He lives in America. Now, he's caddy with some of the great golfers. Yeah, he's caddied uh, for Robert Allenby. Hated Peter, him. Peter Lonard. <laughs> <laughs> he's caddying for Luke List at the moment on the PGA Tour. He walked off the course on Allenby once and threw the clubs, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he actually walked off on the ninth hole and got to the car park. And then realised that he'd left his car keys in Robert <laughs> Allenby's back. He had to go back and get them. Anyway, so Bussy joined us. We're at Cameron's house. We're having a few drinks. And Cameron announces that, hey, guys, we're going to head around to the Chateau Marmont uh, and catch up with a friend of ours, Sam Worthington. Now, we've all pricked up and gone, how good's this? Were they? Were they? Sam Worthington at this stage had just starred in Terminator Salvation, which did $371 million at the box office. That was only a small. That was only small fright to his next film that was out. These two films were back to back. Avatar. This is the biggest film of all time. Two point eight billion. It was at the time That's extraordinary. Two point eight billion at the box office. So two films over three billion in box office money. It's fair to say Sam Worthington is the biggest star in Hollywood. Biggest at this stage. movie star in the world, and we're going to have Coronas with him at this stage. And we're heading to his suite at the Chateau Marmont. Me, you, Kane Pettifer, my mate Cameron, his beautiful wife Natalie, and my mate who caddies on the PGA Shit Tour, <laughs> Matthew Bussy Tritton, who's a Melbourne boy and already drunk. Didn't know who Sam Worthington was. We had to explain it to him. We did, and we we mentioned those figures, box office numbers. We mentioned that he's the biggest movie star in the world, and you need to behave yourself in his penthouse suite. And you know how drunk people get already when they've got that white stuff in the corner of their mouth? He, was, he had that already. He was very, very drunk. Anyway, we get there. We've explained. We've briefed him on Sam Worthington. We've explained what he looks like. So if you have a chat to him, you know, just treat him with some respect. <laughs> so we get into the room. Everyone's there. There's a few other people. A few other Aussies are in there, and it's it's a really good night. About 20 minutes in, we notice that Bussy has started talking to Sam Worthington, <laughs> and it's at this point that we realise that the, all the briefing that we did has not worked because the first question he asked Sam Worthington, the biggest movie star in the world, the star of Avatar and Terminator <laughs> Salvation, the first thing he said to him is, "G'day, mate." What do you do? <laughs> For a living. <laughs> For a living. And we just, we dropped, didn't we? Yeah. We couldn't believe it. And he was quite polite about it, were he, though, too. He, he said, yeah, just um, doing some acting work here yeah. in LA. And I reckon then Bussy followed up with, oh, geez, it's hard, it's hard over here at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, he, but then he twigged that 
this could be Worthington when he mentioned. <laughs> and he then went on to ask him if he starred. What, which movie did he say? <laughs> he asked him if he'd... Uh, Transformers. Trans- That's Transformers. right. Oh, you were in Transformers, weren't you? He got the T right. It was Terminator, yeah. not Transformers. So anyway, he made a fool of himself. Uh, we then uh, kicked on. We had a really good night. And we've ended up back at Cameron's house, and, and Sam's come back to Cameron's house with us, and we're having a few drinks at about three in the morning. It gets worse. Not only did Bussy make a fool of himself, <laughs> you did, Nathan. I looked over, and there's Nathan on the couch with Sam Worthington, with his laptop out on YouTube, showing Sam Worthington highlights of his football career. <laughs> you can only give people what they want. And he asked for some highlights. He loves his footy <laughs> worth, though. And we sat there, and I took him through the five I kicked on Jimmy Clement. And surprisingly, we haven't seen Sam Worthington <laughs> since. He was a good fellow that no, night. No, he was fantastic. And no, it was a good night. Well, that's about all we've got time for today, Matthew. Uh, Hummer's going to be away again listening? next week. Is he listening? Uh, he will listen. He will listen. This will, this will obviously go to number one in the podcast uh, charts this week. So uh, thanks for joining us again. And, thanks, uh, Nathan. We'll be back next week. See you then.